Welcome to Loving the Christ Life. I'm Brad Wilson. What an exciting program we have for you today. This is our Christmas special and a special Christmas greeting and message from Warren. In addition to that, right after, we have another special Christmas greeting this year from Robbie Litzman. Let's get right into it. Here's Warren. I want you to go to Luke chapter 1. I want to read the rest of the Christmas story. Beginning at verse 28. For my signal concern is the little mother Mary. Beginning at verse 28 it says, And the angel came unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy wound, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. And he shall be great, and he shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How sh shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. And therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. This is the story of Mary. It's a part of the thrilling Christmas story. It's really a part of the Christmas story that's never portrayed or dramatized or said a whole lot about. Christmas. There's just so many aspects to it and so many wonderful things to it that I admonish you again at Christmas time as you must do all during the year See through it to Christ. See through it to Christ. You see, you're not going to stamp out Christmas. There's a lot of preachers that will like to do that. I don't know why. But they find something wrong with it. They find something wrong with every little detail of it. It's necessary that we become see-throughers. I see through every part of Christmas to Christ. The tree represents life. The lights represent the stars that lit up Nazareth. The gifts represent a heart of love. The giver represents God because that's who he is. Santa Claus represents the giving spirit of God. I see right through it to God. I don't stop with Santa Claus and say, well, he's of the devil and somebody started him. I see through it to God who is a giver. I see through the whole of Christmas to give it. I talk like this at Christmas mostly because you see I have to see through every day of the year to Christ. There's something raunchy. There's something bad. There's something ungodly. There's some work of the devil. There's some evil. There's some sin. There's some relative out of order. There's some child of mine out of order. There's something in life that doesn't work. I have to see through all of it to Christ. 
because I know that all things work together for the good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. I just don't like somebody that picks on Christmas or Easter because I have to see through life every day to Christ, to put my life together, to understand how I function in this world. And until you learn to be a see-thrower, you have that problem. I need to start a series of messages here on the see-thrower, and I think we will in time, because that's what we are in the Christ life. We're see-throughers. We see through everything to Christ. So I love Christmas. My story today is about the one person in the Christmas story that had the most difficult time of any with Christmas. Catholicism has built her up to be the mother of God and never talk about this. Children never put it in their Christmas plays about her. But she had the biggest problem with Christmas of anybody. Here she was, a little 14-year-old girl, and one night she's abruptly awakened by an angel who says to her little girl, you're going to be cohabitated with by God the Father. He's going to put a seed in you, and that seed is going to be the Savior of the world, and you'll call his name Jesus. Just out of the clear. Nobody told her it was going to happen. She had never heard of anything like that before because nothing like that has ever happened in the universe before. A lot of people talk to angels, but no angel ever brought the message to anybody that came to her that she's going to be pregnant and was going to bear a child called Jesus. That was enough to upset anybody. But she had besetting problems from that. I'm almost certain the first one she told about it was her lover to be husband. They had already been matched to marry. Pretty hard on a little girl walking up to a man that was, we believe, about 35 years old and saying, Joseph, I'm going to have a baby. Mary, I don't believe that. You haven't been messing around, have you? No, not really. But you won't believe how I got a hold of this. Well, tell me about it. I'd like to know something about it if you're pregnant. Well, she said an angel came and told me that God had put his seed in me and that that seed was to be called Jesus, and he would be the Messiah that our people have looked for for 1,700 years. We've talked about old Herod. We've talked about the man at the inn. We've written stories. We've dramatized it. We've made musicals out of it. But what she went through is almost unknown. Nobody really thinks about it. You know why it's of interest to me? Because the same way she was chosen, 
the same way she was dealt with. And the same thing that happened to her has happened to every one of you who had a revelation of Christ in you. I listen to preachers regularly. I read a book at least one a week if I can. I never hear anybody talk about us getting Christ in us. Nobody ever talks about our problem, our ostracism, our denials, our problems. Consequently, great numbers of people in the Christ life never mention anything about Christ being birthed in them. John said it three times in his writings. Whosoever is birthed of God, whosoever is begotten of God, does not commit sin. It's there. When I taught in colleges, we knew for a fact the least taught scripture in the Bible was the epistles of John because he made these outlandish statements that whoever has been birthed by God can't sin. Church didn't want to mess with it. Religion didn't want to mess with it. Theologians don't want to mess with it. Nobody wants to mess with Mary. Let's find the beauty. Let's find the glory. Let's find the greatness. Let's find the miracle. But let's not talk about these people who have had another person birthed in them by God himself. If I were the devil, that's the thing I'd spoil. You heard the progression of this spoiling by those who testified here today. It's ended up with new age. What is new age? New age is much closer to this miracle than most religion is. But it's close to spoil it, to deny it finally to hinder it by polluting it. Christ, God in man, is a subject nobody wants to deal with. And one of the key things said about Mary was that she hid all these things in her heart. I think there's some of you that do that. You have to hide it away in your heart. I got relatives in my family. They're all evangelical, spirit-filled believers. I can't talk to them about Christ. I get together with them, and they won't breach the subject at all. I have to hide it away in my heart. I have to wait for the day they're open. So will you. You're going to go through what Mary went through. You're going to have to hide a lot of things away in your heart. I talked to you today about how the human race is not all there. It's incomplete. I can't run around telling them that outside the confines of a meeting like this. I have to hide it away in my heart. This is shown in the Mary story. I think the burden got so heavy, she probably protruded now. The child could be seen. I don't think she could talk to her mother. 
I've, I've no record she couldn't, but I've no record that she did. But I do have the record of something she did when it just got too much to bear, too horrible. She had to have somebody to talk to. She had to go somewhere and get some kind of help. And so she went over to see Elizabeth. Elizabeth was expecting a child, too. She was six months ahead of Mary. She, she was having a miracle birth, too. Because she's an old woman. She's not supposed to bear children. And on top of that, she's going to bear the most brazen creature that ever came. John the Baptist. But Mary didn't know any of this. But she knew that Elizabeth had a heart. But she went to talk to Elizabeth. And you know what? Elizabeth did a wonderful thing. Elizabeth said, Mary, I can't answer all your questions. But she said they, they, they were pastored a church, so to speak. And so Elizabeth said, if you go in there to the altar and talk to God about it, you feel a lot better. And that's when she had this exaltation thing where she started singing in the spirit about the Lord and how wonderful the Lord was and great the Lord was and so forth. Isn't that interesting? No psychologist, no psychiatrist, no program she could go to, no book she could read. Not one member of her family could she turn to and now a little 14-year-old girl pregnant, not worldly-wise. The only one she talked to about this was an angel, and nobody believed that. But Elizabeth had a good word. Go talk to God about it. Go talk to God about it. You know what the Lord has done in our fellowship the last couple of years? He has stimulated the message of fatherhood into our hearts with power and unction we've not known before. Because the days are going to get worse for you that bear this Christ, who are pregnant with Christ, Christ in you. The days are going to get worse. And you're going to want somebody to turn to, and there's not going to be anybody there. And so God's done a wonderful thing for us. He's dropped the heart message of the Father, real heart message, love message, about how Father has birthed us. He's called us forth. He's placed us where we live. He's put us in our harvest field to bear fruit where we are, regardless of how hard the circumstances and situations are. And sooner or later, you're going to have to come back to him as a child dealing with a father, not a believer dealing with Almighty God, but a child dealing with the Father. You see, that's different. When I deal with God, I'll deal with him in madness. I say, God, why'd you allow that to happen? God, why didn't you answer my prayer? God, why didn't you undertake? Why'd you leave me in this bad shape? Uh, but when I deal with my father... I can deal with him by saying, Father, you birthed me. You put this son in me, another life in me. I don't know how to live it, and you never expected me to live it. And I just want you to know I'm dependent on you. It's been your thing from the beginning. 
It's been your work from the beginning. You're the one put the Son in me. You're the one that birthed Christ in me. That's what made me born again. I didn't have anything to do with it. You did it. So I'm just telling you, you're responsible. You're my father. You're responsible. I can't carry this load. I got a rough place at work. I got a rough place in the home. I got a bad world in front of me. But it's not mine. It's yours. Yours. I'm trusting you. You're my father. You're behind it all. That's all Mary could do was go in and talk to her father. Who is the father of the Christ that's in you? It's Almighty God. Who birthed him there? God so loved you that he gave you his only begotten son. Who's behind it all? The father. The father. The first thing that Mary had to get in her to make her stand was that she was favored by God. I don't believe in eliteness. I don't believe one believer, whether in this room or sitting in the Catholic mass over here, born again, I don't believe there's any difference between the two to the Father. They're both his children. But there is a difference between the knowledge of the two of them. There's a difference in what they know. And what Mary come to say was, I know that I am favored by God. Was you ever struck by that idea? Why do we sit in this room? Not many of us. Why do we believe these things we believe? It's obvious. We've been favored by God. Who is it in this world that could come to a place that their relationship with God was so personal? They didn't need a church building. They didn't need a preacher. They didn't need doctrine of man. And they didn't need programs to be God's child. Who could be more favored than that? Think of what God did. He started with Eve, and 4,000 years later, 4,300 years later, he got his whole plan narrowed down to one little 14-year-old, unknown, unsophisticated, unschooled, untrained, poor little girl. By the time he got to her, he had gone through Eve. He had gone through Noah's wife. He had gone through uh, Sarah. He had gone through Rebecca. He had gone through every great woman in the scriptures. And he just kept narrowing it down. Same bloodline. Same personage. But he kept narrowing it down to one little girl in Nazareth. No wonder they say, blessed art thou among women. She was. But that message was not intended to stop with Mary because on the day of Pentecost, God took every sinner that believed and put them into Christ or Christ into them. The same birthing.
would take place. Did you know something? The early church missed it. It was many years after Pentecost before anybody ever mentioned Christ in the believer. It was never mentioned until God gave Paul the revelation of Christ in him. Galatians 1, 16, 17, when it pleased God who saved me by his grace and called me to reveal his son in me. Look at all the prophets he went through. Peter, James, and John didn't get the message. Nine other apostles didn't get the message. The church was at least 20 years old by the time Paul came along. None of them got the message. But God called this little Jew. Chosen from his mother's womb to reveal his son in him. Now, why are you sitting in this room? There's some of you that have as great a testimony as the Apostle Paul had. There's some of you that have as great a testimony as Mary of Nazareth had, that this holy thing that is within you is Christ. Why are you? What are you doing sitting here? Just look back over your life. Where'd you come from? Who was in your family group? Out of all them, you've been chosen. Look at how many churches you've been in. How many preachers you've heard. How many Sunday school classes you've set through. How many dollars you gave to be a good Christian. Think about it. All the hundreds of people you were in touch and contact with in the church buildings, in the programs. But they're not sitting here. God narrowed your life down from family, from friends, from other believers so that you could sit in this room and know that you're secure as God's child. Not better than the rest. Not more elite than anybody else. They're God's children too, many of them. But you know something. You know something about yourself, about God, about life, that none of the rest of them know. And you, like Mary, in many cases, are going to have to hide it away in your heart till God brings forth his son. What was her mission? To bring a living Savior to a dying world. What is a living Savior? One alive in me. That's where he's living. It isn't Jesus of Nazareth I'm preaching. It isn't Jesus seated at the right hand of God I'm preaching. I'm preaching Christ in you. Your hope of glory. How'd you get here? How much did God have to go through to get you to this place? What'd you suffer? What hell did you go through? How many churches you've been kicked out of? 
How many friends have you lost? Dear friends. Somebody said to me, they were a dear friend. I haven't seen them in 20 years. What have you gone through to come to where you know Christ lives in you? What a special Christmas message that was from Warren Litzman. We hope you've enjoyed it. And now we have another special guest, Robbie Litzman, coming in with a special Christmas greeting of her own to all of you. Here's Robbie. I'd like to share something with you today. I shared this with the fellowship here in Dallas, and uh, it was something that helped me a lot, and maybe it'll help you too. <clears throat> you know, this is Christmas time, and uh, I was thinking about Warren. He really loved Christmas. Um, I think many of you heard him talk about how he saw through Christmas to Christ and encouraged us to do the same. <clears throat> um, I was thinking about, about gifts and how that God gave us the one gift in giving us Jesus Christ, his son, who is eternal life. And, um, you know, we go to the Father and we ask him for all sorts of things. We ask him for peace, for rest, for joy, for direction, for protection, for wisdom. Uh, we, 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 we parcel Christ out in asking for all of these other things when he gave us these things in his Son. He gave us the one gift and in Christ are all these things that we need to live, to, uh, to be all that the Father expects of us. And um, I hope that helps you today. It sure has helped me, especially going through this time without Warren. It's, um, it's really helped me to get through some real hard places. I love you, and I hope to be in touch a little bit more. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your prayers. And thank you for your support this past year. I really appreciate it. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Robbie, for that wonderful Christmas greeting. And we hope you've enjoyed the Christmas greeting from Warren today. What a blessed and wonderful podcast this has been. Thank you so much for tuning in. Robbie Litzman, of course, thank you for allowing us to go into the archives weekly to bring you these wonderful podcasts. Valerie Hill does our Twitter account. Tammy Laycock does our weekly program notes. And this program is produced weekly by Teresa Ferraro from the Christ Life Fellowship. Don't forget our website, christ-life.org. Have a Merry Christmas, and we'll see you next time. Until then, I'm Brad Wilson, loving the Christ Life.